0: Good morning. Good morning. Today's discipleship moment is on gifts. The previous two weeks we've heard of prayers and presents, and next week we'll hear on service. So if I was to say gifts to you, what would come first to your mind? <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen I'll just wait.
1: When,
0: when I thought about it first, it came... It came finance, tithing, money. Um, And because I'm the current finance committee chairperson, and I think I have finance on my forehead for some of you, um, that's probably why I came to that conclusion. But that's not really why I'm here. I'm here to encourage you to consider what spiritual gifts you might bring to FUMC. So on the United Methodist Church website there is a spiritual gifts assessment that you might consider taking to see if there's something that you're unaware of in your background. You most likely have heard sermons on spiritual gifts. However, a reminder is always nice. There are 20 gifts that are listed within the epistles of Paul in Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12 through 13. While all of life is a gift from God these 20 gifts are lifted up within Scripture as the gifts of the Spirit given specifically for the upbuilding of the body of Christ. So as a reminder, here are the 20. Administration, apostleship, compassion, discernment, evangelism, exhortation, faith, giving, healing, helping, interpretation of tongues, Knowledge, leadership, miracles, prophecy, servanthood, shepherding, teaching, tongues, and worship. As I look around FUMC, I witness many people in our congregation sharing their spiritual gifts with us. We are fortunate to have these people that offer their gifts in a variety of ways, and we all have areas at which we excel or feel comfortable in sharing. The church is fortunate that there are many people at FUMC that provide us the joy of song through our choir. We have members serving on committees that allow us to serve our community and conference. We couldn't hold our large fundraisers or special events without those who are helpers. We have those that have expertise in the upkeep of our church facility. We have members that step into leadership, and we have members that teach and work with our youth. There are many, many more, but there isn't time to give you the entire list. To conclude, I encourage you to explore your spiritual gifts and leave the door open to God's will. Sometimes we say no out of fear or because we don't feel comfortable in the role we are being asked to fulfill. Maybe we just don't think we have the time. Please pray about it and let God help you determine if your gifts will help spread the word of God. And... When you ask God for something like this, be certain to be patient and listen for the answer, as discernment is one of those special spiritual gifts. So I ask you today, what are your spiritual gifts? Thank you.
2: The scripture readings today both come from the book of Job. The first is from chapter 38 verses one through seven and then the second is the first six verses of Job 42. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, Who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, Listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears have heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust
3: and ashes. Again, good morning. It's good to be with you all. Uh, We've had a good time in retirement, and it's fun once in a while to come back and do some preaching and see if, you know, I still know how to do it. Um. <clears throat> we live in a season of whirlwinds. They bring devastation and leave destruction. And just like Job, we ask, "Why? Why?" There doesn't seem to be any reason for all this whirlwind. And we ask God, as Job did, why? Oh yes, we know that sometimes we know the reasons for the whirlwinds. Because we've made a bad choice. And the consequences... And we go, oh, yeah, huh, that's why. We made a bad decision. We made a mistake. Okay, the whirlwind comes and the consequences come. Yes. And also sometimes we realize we are in the way of somebody else's consequences. You've been there? You know... We, we know, first of all, that if we drive uh, recklessly, too fast, what happens? We get a ticket, we get a wreck. And when we get a ticket, or when we get a wreck, we don't say, why did this happen to me? No, we know. Every once in a while, however, we're in the way of somebody else's bad decision. Somebody else is texting while they're driving, and we get run into. It wasn't our bad decision, but we know somebody made a bad decision, and and we got in the way of it. We've been there. There are lot, but, but even those are those are logical and we understand them, that wasn't Job's problem. Job was a good guy. He'd lived a good life. He had not made bad decisions he had not made mistakes and yet the whirlwind descended on him first of all our scripture said he was you know he had he had a big farm he had a lot of cattle he had a good wife he had fun children and then one day a marauding army came in and killed all of his cattle and the cattle herders <clears throat> Shortly thereafter, there was a wildfire. Now, you know, Pat and I know about wildfires because our cabin got burned down in a wildfire. There was a wildfire and all of his sheep got burned up and all of the shepherds with it. And then there was another army that came along and snatched up all of his camels and donkeys and the camel herders and donkey herders and they all Were taken off. And then all of his children and their spouses were in this big building having a wonderful party, a great big celebration, and the roof came in and caved in and killed all of them. And then he came down with boils. And then those are the normal ones that are listed, but there's a a slight little line in there that I think is the last of his tragedies in this whirlwind. His wife. His wife says, Job, just curse God and die. She who should be supportive of him gives up on him too. Well, the good thing was that three of his friends came and they just sat down with him and sat in silence for several days. That's the only good thing that happens in the entire book. But then, instead of keeping quiet, they open their mouths and they try to explain to Job, Job why he deserved all these calamities. And Job kept saying, no, I didn't deserve all these calamities. And he kept asking his friends, and he asked God, why? Why did all this happen to me? And lest you think this is unique, I want to tell you about a friend of my mother's, She had children... The same age as we have as as us children, my mother's children, and she lived in the Farmington uh, community. Her husband and her three children were happy. They were very faithful members of the church. They had a nice farm, a productive farm. Everything was going fine. Sound like Job so far? Then one day, her 14 year old son. Oldest boy, on the way home from school, was killed in an automobile accident. A year later, her 34-year-old husband died of old age. The doctor said his insides were those of an 85-year-old. Died of an old age. These were a widow with two young children. A year later, she discovered she had cervical cancer. Surgery was successful, but that's traumatic. And then she got married, remarried. I was going to say gentleman, but I think I'm going to change that word. She trusted him, he borrowed money against the ranch. He not only that, but he took the pink slip to the car that they owned and had it transferred to him. And then the ranch went bankrupt and they lost the ranch. He took the car and left. Her two children grew up and got married. A boy and a girl. And after a couple of years of marriage their spouses divorced them and married each other. So again, here now she has grandchildren that are cousins and half-siblings and... The blessing is, kind of like the end of Job's story, She finally did find a gentleman to get married to, and the later part of her life, she lived in peace and with grace. Never having lost faith, always having been a part of the church and a a faithful woman uh, and a wonderful person to be around. Sounds like Job. The truth is, Bad things happen. There's a phrase about bad things happening, which I can't use in a sermon. But <laughs> oh, you know it. Bad things <laughs> Bad things happen. They bring whirlwinds, and as I look out among you, I, with my 10 years with you, I remember living through some whirlwinds uh, with some of you. You right now are living through a whirlwind. Pastor Charles is in the midst of a whirlwind. And Nikki, The congregation here, y'all are in the midst of a whirlwind of changes and trying to figure out where it goes from here and, and asking, maybe, why? Why does this happen? <clears throat> I was lucky <clears throat> that I had a good seminary education. When I was in my first church, and the, you know the diploma was still a little damp from having been signed, I had a young couple come into my office with a baby, and the baby had Down syndrome. And they basically said to me, "Who, who's? What have we done? What? How have we sinned that God has punished us by sending us?" a Down syndrome child. Luckily, again, my education was good enough and I remembered the story of Jesus when he was asked, who has sinned us or our son that our son was born lame? You remember that story? And, and Jesus says it was for the glory of God and he healed the child, the lame son. The blessing with this family in, in Kerman. Was I was able to say, "That's not it. It's not about sin. It's not about sin. And they found the glory of God in the raising of a Down syndrome child his name was Casey. And there's a lot of love and wonder in the rearing of a Down syndrome child. It's not about sin. It's not about what you've done. God is not like that. That's not how God works. Were the Bahamas or Houston worse places than any place else that they got inundated? Yeah, sure. No. (laughs) That's not how God works. Well my friend Dorothy Smith and her family... Because of sin? No, that's not how God works. When I was a soldier in Vietnam, I was blessed by the fact that I had a wonderful MYF. I had a good theological education underneath me before I had to face war. And I discovered, because I was an infantryman, you know the story, um, I discovered that that wonderful, good, good guys, good soldiers, good men died. And bad men died. And good men lived and bad men lived. Why? I was able to say that's not how God works. God doesn't do this. It just happens. I was able to keep my faith through that. There were a lot of soldiers who could not keep their faith and blamed God for the disaster. Do we have a crisis? Amber Alert. Amber alert. Amber alert. Yes, we've got a crisis, but it's not something we can do about right now. Somebody's got a whirlwind. You know, Pat and I, now, and my children, every time we hear a siren, hmm, we know somebody is having a bad day, a whirlwind in their life. And we stop for a moment and pray for whoever it is that's having a bad day. Before Jesus came, there were the theologies of Rome and and Greece. And, And in their theologies, gods were capricious, vicious. They would say, now let me see, how can I make that person miserable? And then they would set out to do it. You know those stories. Somehow or other, that old pagan theology kind of rumbles around still in our minds, and we think... It must be that God is out to punish me. My favorite verse, the verse on which I pin my life, is John 10:10, 10, 10, saying Jesus came that we might have life and have that abundantly. And another place in John, John says, God is love. You are loved. Unconditionally and completely, thoroughly, you are loved. Knowing that God loves you unconditionally and completely helps us with the why. We are not going to know. Job got his answer. (laughs) God's answer to Job was... You are not able to understand. You ask these questions. I can't answer them, not because there aren't answers, but because you can't possibly understand the answer. Where were you when I built the when I established the world? You're not gonna be able to understand. It's above your pay grade. Hmm? You're just not gonna be able to understand. And Job finally says, you know, I had only heard of you, but now through this whirlwind, I see. I see that you are God. I see, and I have faith. And I repent, not that he repents of any sin. You know, repent doesn't mean to be sorry. Repent means to change. And he's going to stop all my questions of why I'm going to stop asking. Because I am not going to be able to understand the answer. And all those questions of why are just a pile of dust and ashes. Hmm? Just a pile of dust and ashes. And so for us, the basic answer to why... Is that we trust God. Trust God with my life. Trust God with our world. We have faith. That's what faith is. Job says earlier. Naked came I from the womb. And naked will I return. Blessed be. The name of the Lord. Amen. Now may you go from this place. Walking with Jesus, knowing that whatever the whirlwind may be, you are loved, you are cared for, and never alone. Go in peace, and may the God of peace go with you. Amen.
1: Listening to this podcast of the First United Methodist Church in Turlock, California. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons, non commercial, share alike license. For more information about our church, visit www.fumcturlock or call the church at 209 668 3000. Visitors are always welcome. And now, may the peace of the Lord dwell in your hearts this day.